When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We are live here on Birds 365. We're ready to talk some football with you on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We would be Jody McDonald and John McMullen, your Mac and Mac hosts. Johnny Mac getting set to take it on the road again. John, oh. are you looking forward to flying out to the Mile High City? Ah, big sigh. You got me sighing really early, 22 oh. seconds in. That might be a record. Ah, you know. Sorry four, about that. Come on, you're a road warrior. I know you love this four, stuff. Four, four hour flight, Jody. Got to stop in Chicago on the way home. Yeah, yeah. It Thank is you. what it is. And you go uh, on the road all the time with the Eagles. I do not. I sit here in my basement and get ready to do Birds 365. But I did take a three and a half hour ride back from the Florida Keys. That's a little extra. You got to add those extra yeah. miles on going down there. I spent some quality time in a plane these last uh, 10 days. It's not days, fun, so. is it? It's not fun. Especially you know when you got to wear that mask all day in the oh, airport. All day at the airport. You never take it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually can sleep on a plane, uh, put my head back, boom, see you later. Bye. I didn't sleep well either way. I don't know why. Uh, I have uh, went to uh, Ireland uh, back in my uh, 30s, yeah. and uh, I checked out about 15 minutes into the flight, and they had to wake me up to get off the plane. Boom. I was out the entire time. <laughs> One of the greatest sleeps I've ever got. I didn't get that this week. I hope you get some rest on the way out to Denver because you're going to be primed and ready to cover the Eagles and the Broncos. And uh, for those of you who missed it yesterday, we had a uh, buddy of mine, Brandon Christoph, good guy, good reporter for the uh, Broncos. He does it for KOA radio out there in Denver. And he gave me just enough for me to sink my teeth into a possible Eagles upset. He acknowledged what John said here on the show yesterday. Could this be a sandwich game? Could this be a bit of a trap game coming off the biggest win of the year, going down and beating Dallas in Dallas last week for the Broncos? Got the bye week this week. Could they maybe, just maybe, come in a little under-focused for the Philadelphia Eagles this week? I'm starting to believe that, John. Yeah, so am I. And and Brandon was a big part of that. I mean, he was very honest about the team. There's so many things. I mean, they're so banged up. They're going to be without three starters on the offensive line as well. So you add in all these. There's so many. You know, you got to talk about the altitude from a negative perspective uh, with the Eagles. Uh, that's always a big deal in in, in Denver. You got to throw that in the mix. But I just look at this team and I say, you know. I'm kind of surprised Vic Fangio's on the hot seat. Yes and no. Maybe I'm overstating that because he hasn't been great uh, his first couple seasons. 
But man, he's overachieving with this bunch because you look at that defensive depth chart, and you, I've been talking about it all this all this week. This team's top ten in everything, basically, against the run, against the pass. Obviously, total defense, second in points, um, top uh, 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 fourth down defense in the league. I mean, they're they're top ten in almost every significant uh, statistical category, and it isn't Von Miller out there anymore. They traded yeah. him a couple weeks ago. They do have Justin Simmons, who's a big-time player. Their best linebacker, Alexander Johnson, has been out for a while now, and he's a, uh, probably one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Um, they're so banged up. I, 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 I think the Eagles have a real chance to win this football game, and the second part of it is the Eagles only win these days on the road, so playing on the road is probably a positive for them. Agreed on all fronts. And one guy you kind of forgot, uh, don't leave him out because it's something the Eagles are going to benefit from, but maybe they can learn something while they're at it. Bradley Chubb is also out of the lineup. Oh, yeah, he's been out. Yeah, I forget. You know, he's been out all year. Right. You take Vaughn Miller out, you take Bradley Chubb out, there goes your pass rush with most teams. Those are key guys who can get to the QB, and both of them are now out of the mix for Denver. And they're going to bring in backup guys, and we'll see if they get the job done. But they're not going to be able to get to the quarterback. The question is, will the Eagles be able to get to the quarterback? Because they really need to this week, John. I know that uh, the defense coordinator's overall belief is don't give up the big plays. Don't get burnt on the big plays. Keep them in front of you and the like. They need to get pressure on Teddy Bridgewater this week. He's not the kind of guy who, if the pocket breaks down, he's going to make one good move and then turn it upfield and get 20 yards. Teddy's not that kind of guy. There are a lot of quarterbacks like that, including the Eagles starting quarterback, who if you don't get home, he could turn it upfield and make a big play on you. That's not Teddy Bridgewater. They need to be uber aggressive in their pass rush this week, whether it's just the front four by themselves, which will be all too often for my liking. But if they bring the blitz, they need to get their hands on Teddy Bridgewater because if not, he's going to pick them apart. He is one of the more accurate short-passing quarterbacks in the yeah. league, and that's what the Eagles seem to give up on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, this is a week where not only is Teddy not uh, you know, a big movement-based guy, um, as far as going to gouge you, you know, he can do some things and, and convert a first down here and there, but he's not Jalen Hurts. He's not uh, uh, Lamar Jackson when it comes to running the football. Uh, and boy, what a great game plan. I just want to put that in by Brian Flores last night, but uh, I'll, I'll talk about that. And, and at some point, I got to get that in. But um, it, it, yeah, he's not that type. And he's also not the type he's going to take big shots down the field. So, I mean, he is, so in theory, he should be one of the more perfect quarterbacks for the Eagles to play because you don't have to worry about the explosive plays, which evidently leave Jonathan Gannon. Uh, you talk about sleeping on a plane. He can't sleep at night thinking about giving up explosive plays. Um, so he doesn't have to worry about that for the most part. Uh, which in theory means you should be able to jump those first reads and force the quarterback to a second and third reads, and that means that the pass rush should have an opportunity to get home. So no excuses this week for this build-up Eagles defense. They should be able to do some things. Now, the one thing you point up, though, Teddy Bridgewater is very accurate in those intermediate range. He comes in at 70%. So, you know, the default setting – for the typical quarterback is 64, 66. 
somewhere in that range, and they complete 80 to 90% against the Eagles. So he comes in at 70 against everybody else. What does that mean? Can we get a 95 percentage game if everything goes wrong uh, for the Eagles? Now they got to, they got to, they got to take that first read away. They have to. That's the goal of this defense. Right. And we talked about it yesterday here on the show, and you said getting that first read out of the mix is oftentimes on a linebacker, that the linebacker's got to be able to get outside quickly. And if it's a slant and if it's going to be a quick hitter, get their hand into the mix and the like. Uh, I don't know if that's possible with this linebacking core. I'm putting it on the corners. Really is. Uh, other teams do it differently. I think you have to put your faith in Stephen Nelson and Darius Slay and say, get up and get in their jocks. And if we do, we're going to have faith in our safeties. They seem to be in love with Marcus Epps these days. He's playing almost Mar- every play, single. He's playing winning football, uh, Marcus Epps. Okay. Well, terminology. Let, let's see if he can play winning football again this week. I don't even gonna... know if he's going to play that much because Rodney McLeod was back at practice. Uh, Anthony Harris is healthy. So um, unless they play a lot of big nickel um, and Avante Maddox was back at practice, he says he's going to play. Um, so from an injury standpoint, again, we go back to that. The Eagles are trending in a positive direction. Meanwhile, Patrick Sertain, who we talked about a lot at draft time, um, he's on the injury report now. He didn't practice uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Baron Browning, a guy we talked about yesterday, who's the backup linebacker to begin with and has been playing well. They added him to the injury report. Um, he didn't practice. 15 guys, I think. One, two. I'm counting them right now, Jody. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. 15 guys on the Broncos injury report. And that doesn't even count the injured reserve guys like Bradley Chubb Chubb. and Alexander Johnson that I brought up. Doesn't even count those guys. That's how banged up the Broncos are. They are. And yesterday was good news from an injury report perspective for the Eagles because they had a bunch of guys who didn't practice the day before that came back and either were partial participants and or full goes in practice. They did not have anyone miss yesterday's practice. Everyone did a little something, something, and we conjectured and basically knew that a lot of that had to do with veteran guys just getting quote unquote rest days and downtime. It wasn't something that weren't going to be able to come back from or play with. Yeah, major advantage for the Eagles this week as far as injuries go because the Broncos are a much more beat-up team than the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Yeah, and uh, a little uh, other uh, curveball throw in the mix. The Broncos, this is their last game before their bye week, and we kind of talked about that a little bit. And you have a lot of young players playing, having a little bit of success. They might be looking at it like, oh, we get a breather after this game against the uh, a poor Eagles team. And that's where that sandwich game, that little trap game comes into it. Perhaps, perhaps, or we no, could be overthinking everything. <laughs> no, no. What we're doing is trying to put an optimistic spin on this week's matchup where the Eagles are a three point underdog. It's vacillating back and forth between two and a half and three. It opened up at three. It came down to two and a half in most places. It's floated back up to three in some, not all. Um, I thought that would be what the line would be. It, uh, I thought if it was going to, I thought it was going to be three. I thought if it was going to move, it would more likely move up to three and a half and come back down to two and a half. 
But that's about what it is. It's a three-point game because it's in Denver, even though you noted earlier, and uh, it's been the case all year, Eagles, better road team than home team. They can't find a way to win a home game, but they have gotten all three of their wins on the road so far this year. Uh, Denver used to be, and I'll, I'll say it this way, used to be, one of the toughest places to play in the National Football League. If you look yeah. at it through years and years and years, it's a raucous crowd. It is mile high. It's an adjustment for the players and or either the traveling fans who go out there. And we know Eagle fans travel very well. And Denver's not a bad place to go. It's a cool town. My daughter went out there earlier this year for a jet game, as a matter of fact. So she had a great time. Um, so there'll be some Eagle fans in the stand. But everybody has got to get uh, adjusted to the uh, altitude out there. It has been one of the tougher places to play, but a lot of that has to do with the quality of the Denver team. And I think this one's solid. I think it's okay. I don't think it's anything special. And they did trade their best player, Von Miller. Yeah, I think he's their best player. Um, and uh, I think Fangio is a great defensive coordinator, but not a great head coach. Uh, that's exactly where I think the line should be, about a three-point favoritism for the Broncos, which means it's a pick em game. And if a home field advantage doesn't play into it, John, Eagles got every shot in the world to win this game. Yeah, you would think. I mean, you know, I haven't been there in a while. Um, I, I do know they like to play the mental games in Denver, or they used to. They had, uh, I assume it's still there. They have a sign outside the visiting locker room that says, basically, you know, elevation is whatever, 5,280 feet, I think is mile, mile high. Um, you know, above sea level, sea level attitude sickness is real to get in the heads of the, uh, the opponents. They've been doing that for years on the scoreboard. Um, you know, when a player's got the oxygen on them, they show it to the fans and they kind of erupt, uh, they, you know, they want to get their fans hyped up by saying the other team's tired. So they, they like to play those mental tricks and it is, you mentioned, and, and the Eagles are. You know, the Eagles fan base is one of the best uh, traveling fan bases in the NFL. No question about that. But um, Denver's not the easiest place to get those tickets. You know, that's not one place where you can take over. Um, it, it's not what it once was, as you mentioned, Jody, but it's it's not the easiest place to take over. All right, Johnny Mac, I got a key question for you. Will you have, Will you be able to recognize Mac McCain from the uh, from the press box. Uh sure, because I'll look at what number he is. But I'm I'm pretty sure. Actually, I'm not. I mean, you know, Mac just got back, so I assume he's not going to be active for the game. But they have so many injured players, maybe he's got to be active for the game. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, luckily we have jersey numbers. Do you believe that was one of those? Let's see how much information we can get out of them pickups. This has been an ongoing thing in the National Football League forever. Uh, maybe because I grew up as a Jet fan, the whole Jet Patriot thing. They would go back and forth. Every single time the game would play, somebody would join the Jets or join the Patriots who was on the other team as a shortage two weeks prior just to be able to get inside information and be able to uh, help share in game plans and calls and stuff like that. Do you believe that was the case this week or do you think the Broncos just like Mac McCain? I think the Broncos, just like Mac McCain, remember they had him before. They had him throughout training camp. Uh, they wanted him on on their practice squad. The Eagles were able to pick him up on waivers uh, and had to put him on the regular season roster, and they needed a roster spot. The Eagles wanted him on the practice squad, so 
from that banding back and forth, I've talked to a lot of coaches over the years, Jody. That that stuff is kind of overblown. Uh, you know, bringing in a player, especially a practice squad player, especially a position player. Maybe there's a little bit when it's a quarterback who kind of knows the whole offense and knows what everybody does. But when you're talking about a position player, I mean, they're so focused on their particular job and, you know, you can pick up the film and see what the Eagles are doing. I mean, Vic Bangio knows defensive football. He can watch a, a Jonathan Gannon tape and can figure out what's going on, you know, without help from Mac McCain. <laughs> All right. So Mac McCain, <laughs> Not going to get Spy of the Year award. We'll see if uh, they have the Eagles uh, mapped out ahead of time. Uh, they'll probably not let us let on to it after the fact, but I have faith McMullen will ask that question in the postgame interview. Um, <laughs> they'll say who? Who? Mac who? What? I thought you were Mac. Don't, don't you work with Mac back yeah. in Philadelphia? Let's you might get Mac on the show. Mac, Mac, and Mac. We should work on that. Um, last thing, uh, we got uh, our boy Ed Game Day Kratz joining us shortly here on Birds 365. Uh, good news from the Eagle Injury Report as you ran down. Most of the guys who missed on Wednesday were back yesterday, either partial practice or, or full go. Um, much better news on the Eagles injury front than the Bronco injury front. But there seems there is one kind of miscommunication issue. Um, Miles Sanders yesterday on social media put out that he was back, that uh, he was looking forward to returning to the Philadelphia Eagles. But then the Eagles made no such roster moves and or any announcements. So there wasn't any uh, specific information on the return of Miles Sanders is there an issue here between Sanders and the Eagles? Sometimes you got to play roster games, and they had just elevated uh, Jordan Howard to the active roster and the like. Is there uh, a possibility that Miles Sanders thinks he's ready to go and wants to get into the game against the Broncos? No, he didn't get back in time for practice, so they're going to hold him out this week. I don't fault or question the Eagles at all, but are we going to have an issue next week when Miles Sanders seems to think he's ready to go now and the Eagles have done nothing toward moving him back to the active roster? Yeah, I, I don't know what Miles was doing there. Miles is on injured reserve, so he's got to miss three games. He's not eligible to come off injured reserve until next week. Um, so he couldn't play in this game if even if it was healthy. My guess is um, he thinks he's ready, healthy, ready to go. And that was a signal that his 21-day practice window to come off injured reserve will be started next week. So that's my guess of what he was trying to say, that he's ready to go. And remember, that practice window doesn't have to be 20. You just have 21 days. So right. you can activate him Wednesday uh, of next week if you wanted to on a 53-man roster. My guess is he'll be back next week, and that was an indication of, of that. But he wasn't eligible to come back this week. So Miles jumping the gun a little bit because he's excited because he yeah. thinks he's good to go. It'll be interesting to see the way it shakes out. Uh, speculation at this point doesn't really do us any good because we got to see what uh, the two guys doing the backfield. I should say the three guys uh, doing the backfield this week, but they may have some uh, tough decision making ahead of them. I have to hope that's the case, Eagle fan, because if uh, that is part of why the Eagles win this week because they run the ball effectively. And it's one of those problems you don't mind having. It uh, takes a little work, but it could be because the Eagles are coming off their third straight consecutive game of running the ball effectively. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. You're Mac and Mac 
Birds 365, guys. Let's add a third follically challenged individual. Uh, our buddy Ed Kratz, who hops on a lot of Fridays for us. We call him Game Day Kratz. We'll hop aboard next and get his take on the Broncos and Eagles on Sunday here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birch 365, leading up to a showdown between the Broncos and the Eagles in Denver on Sunday. Uh, we have joining us right now a guy who looks busy. What the hell are you looking at, Craig? <laughs> Pay attention. Look at, look at a camera on your uh, computer there. I'm, I'm trying worse to. Worse than me looking away during the show. He's trying to do research. Uh, I'm, less, trying, to, less I'm less trying to memorize research. these defensive players for the Broncos and yeah. trying to figure oh. out. How a are bunch they so of nobodies? Good? Yeah, exactly. I, I I'm trying to learn their names. 
Yeah. I'm with you. I'm yeah. like, I look at this defense, Ed, and I, I, I'm like, what is Vic Fangio, for all the Eagles fans that want to crush Jonathan Gannon, and there's a ton of them, and I think most of them are incredibly unfair, but if they want to criticize him, they should point to Vic Fangio and say, well, look what Vic Fangio is doing with his talent as opposed to what Jonathan Gannon is doing with, you know, some talent deficient personnel. You should be able to put something together. Vic Fangio can do it. Well, you know, listen, I, I don't know if it's because I've covered the Eagles for, you know, 11 years now, but I, I, I think their defense, the Eagles defense personnel wise is better than the Broncos. And yet, <laughs> like you said, Fangio's got these guys playing at a very high level, ranked sixth overall in total defense. I mean, that's uh, with guys that, you know, unless you're an ardent NFL fan or a, a heavy duty, you know, rotisserie player, you know, fantasy league player, you, you never heard of these guys, to be honest. I, I haven't. Jody, have you? Have you? No. Have you and oh, by the way, fantasy players don't uh, know individual defenders. Yeah, they know the offensive skill mm. position players. You just know the defense overall. And yes, this Denver defense has been tremendously impressive while not only having guys hurt, and John was just running down some of the injuries they have, but they're subtracting them themselves. They trade Von Miller right in the middle of being in a playoff uh, run. They say, no, we don't need uh, a potential (laughs) Hall of Famer playing on our defensive line anymore. We'll ship him out for a couple of draft picks. Uh, that, That goes directly to the coach and the way that he's handling them and getting the most out of these players and yeah i'm gonna compare jonathan gannon to him sorry jonathan you're coming up short in comparison to what the opposition could do defensively this week yeah there there is one name actually two names that i heard on that defense and one of them is ronald darby you know the i've started super bowl 52 you know with the eagles at cornerback he's there only 27 years old. He feels like he's been in the league for 15 years, this guy. I don't know if it's just me or what, but feels like he's been around a lot longer. Uh, and then Patrick Sertan, the other cornerback who, you know, the Eagles probably would have drafted if Denver had not taken him at number nine. I know the Eagles were really high on Patrick Sertan, but those are the only two guys. Maybe Justin Simmons, I think, if I – Yeah, if he's I, a good player. Justin Simmons is yeah, a good player. Yeah, but again, yeah. if I, I have to reach into the deep recesses of my brain to remember, oh, yeah, Justin Simmons, I, I've heard of him, but he, those are the only guys. Yeah, and Kareem Jackson's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretty good at safety. You mentioned Sertan, and I'm, I'm with you. I think the Eagles might have drafted him or J.C. Horn if those guys dropped. Um, he's out. He hasn't practiced this week with a knee injury. So add him to the list. And then we had Brandon Cristal on the show who covers the Broncos from Denver, from their flagship radio station. One of the guys who, you know, I, I brought up, people don't know this name, Alexander Johnson. Uh, he's the, the Broncos' best linebacker. He might be the most underrated linebacker of the NFL. He's out. And Baron Browning replaced him. And he's playing well for a rookie, and now he's banged up and might not play. I mean, this is an opportunity for the Eagles to go in here and, and steal a game. And we don't, we know it. They can't win at home. They only win on the road. So why not? Talk me out of it. <laughs> well, here's here's one of my concerns, and I have a few, but one of them is unless they move that stadium closer to sea level, yeah, you know, that thin go. air, 
for a team that, you know, how we all kind of said they didn't do a whole lot of practicing in the summer and, you know, they were kind yeah. of not on the field a lot, you know, and we talked to Landon Dickerson on, uh, I guess it was Thursday. And after a 45 minute walkthrough, this guy was sweating like crazy. You know, he was drenched. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Poor, 45 poor Landon. Minutes Come on. Landon's a big level. guy. Come on. Yeah, I That's... know. But what you know, what are you gonna do when you're in the in this thin air? I don't think the University of Alabama players have ever played in Colorado, to be honest. They're SEC all the way, and I don't think they're playing the Buffaloes or Colorado State or any of those schools. So, you know, this this thin air thing I think is gonna be a real uh real challenge for, for the Eagles. And um, you know, another thing that concerns me is this running game is okay. Maybe the defense we haven't heard much about and these guys, even though they're playing very good, but the, I love the two running backs they have in Melvin Gordon. And I love Javante Williams. He was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft and I had him mocked to the Eagles in a couple mock drafts. And that was probably more wishful thinking, I guess, um, that they would take him, but man, I loved him coming out of North Carolina and these two running backs, if the Broncos, play their cards right I would just come out and I would just run 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 up tempo try to wear this defense down at altitude and take advantage of the Eagles that way and keep the Eagles offense off the field from possibly exploiting a defense that we don't know a whole lot about let me take that a step further on their running game and I'm with you I like that one-two punch Melvin Gordon is a guy who's always had, unfortunately, a nose for the end zone. Uh, it's never a good thing when you're going up against a guy and he's got a nose for the end zone. He has the ability to score touchdowns, and Williams is a break breakaway-type player. Um, the Eagles' defense is actually rated fairly well against the run, but it's one of those chicken-and-egg-type deals. Are the Eagles good against the run? Other teams don't run for that many yards against them. Well, why? Because they can pass for 80% completion. Why wouldn't you throw it as often as you can if you can complete 80% of your passes? How would you say, as of right now, the Eagles' defense is playing against the run if Denver comes out with the mindset you suggested, we're just going to run it down their throats until they stop us? Well, it's it's a run defense, Jody, that's played better recently. But you remember some of the early games where you know they were getting gashed in the running game quite a bit, you know, the Cowboys ran against them. Um, you know, the Falcons ran pretty well against them at least early on, but I, I mean, I think they're 20th against the run now, but they were down near the bottom with the chargers and the Raiders and the lions of the world in run defense, but it, it's come up a little bit. Um, and maybe that coincides with the, you know, uh, insertion of TJ Edwards at linebacker at the middle linebacker spot. You know, he's kind of been a vacuum cleaner <clears throat> with these tackles. I think he's made 25 of them in the last two weeks. So uh, I think it is a little bit better, but you know, you're right. The teams haven't really had to really run much against them, but the chargers did try with Austin Eckler and they were doing a good job for, you know, three plus quarters. I think I looked at one point, the chargers were only averaging 1.9 yards per rush uh, late into that game. Um, so it is playing better, but I just think when you're dealing with this two headed monster that the, that the Broncos have, and then you mix Teddy Bridgewater in there, who's looking at his AFC West brethren quarterbacks and saying, man, these guys threw for 80% plus against the Eagles. Derek Carr threw for 90%. You know, every AFC West quarterback has done it. Teddy Bridgewater is one of going to want to get his too. Um, yeah. so, you know, if he can play efficiently and they can get this, run game started against the defense that has you're right played pretty well uh against the run 
um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough challenge for the Eagles to stop the run and stop this Teddy Bridgewater short passing game as well. And and Teddy will come in as the most accurate quarterback of all of those quarterbacks from the AFC. He he completes seventy percent against everybody. Yeah. So imagine what that is against the Eagles unless they make some adjustments. But I I do want to shift to the offensive side because that's the most interesting part to me. Nick, uh, uh, Ed, how does Nick Sirianni go about this? I mean, but here's my thought process. Obviously, they come into the season heavy read option. They're trying to take advantage of what Jalen Hurts does well. Then they hit this portion of the schedule. Las Vegas, 28th in the league, uh, defending the run. Um, Detroit, 29th. The Chargers, dead last, 32 and they shifted to a play action, run the football, traditional offense, and had some success, not some success, 180 yards a game, which would lead the NFL by a wide margin if they were doing that all year. Did they just do that because of the opponents, or does Nick Sirianni feel he found some kind of formula to success with this offense? Well, you know, I wonder about that because if you look at those – teams that they had success running against the last two weeks. I mean, the Lions were shorthanded at cornerback and they didn't want to throw. And the Chargers, I think, were out were without their yeah, two stop, top cornerbacks as well. So yet they elected to run, you know. So, yeah, I think he's found this formula with the running game. And Jordan Howard has really sparked this running game, in my opinion. He, he hits that hole hard. That's what they want. He doesn't dance around looking for – uh, you know, holes that may not be there and then scoot outside like another running back who's still in the injured reserve. Howard hits the hole when if the hole's not there, he's going to just pound into you anyway and just knock you forward and, and get what he can get. Uh, he has changed the dynamic for sure. Um, but what it says to me is, has Sirianni kind of realized that, okay, Jalen Hurts is a little bit limited. Okay, we've seen them try to let him do you know 87 or 90 percent of the offense um let's take a little bit off his plate and let's not let him throw as much and let's try to run the ball I don't know if that speaks to Jalen Hurts and what they feel about him in these last couple weeks if they feel like we can't let him control every aspect of this offense because it's just not working or if it's been the defenses the run defenses in particular of these teams that they've played. Um, I guess we're going to find out on Sunday how they feel a little bit about Hurts because I think the Eagles are going to have to throw the ball a little bit uh, more than they have in recent weeks. I mean, when your quarterback's only throwing 14 times in Detroit and 17 times against the Chargers, um, you know, and you're one and one in those games, I, I just think you're going to have to use Hurts a little more in the passing game. Uh, you know, it's ironic because the Eagles spent two first round picks the last two years on wide receiver. Yeah. Now here they are all of a sudden they're a running team with, a, a, you know, a, a veteran who was on the practice squad to start the year. So it's interesting, but you know, we're going to see, I think as Sunday starts and then as the season goes on over the final uh, eight games, seven games after Sunday, how they feel about hurts and what they allow him to do on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's defense that dictates it, the opposing defense, or whether it's how they feel about Hurts. We're going to find out, I think. And I was going to go there next about the now new balance of the Eagles offense leaning much more heavily on the run. Um, if they need to, if the defense helps dictate that they got to throw the ball more this weekend, certainly it's going to be a heavy dose of Devonta Smith, who, oh, by the way, 
got the best pro football focus grade of any wide receiver in the National Football League last week. That tells you how quickly that young man is coming along. And, of course, Dallas Goddard is going to get his throws. And then who else? Last week they they targeted Quez Watkins all of three times for two catches. All of a sudden the backs out of the backfield passing game is kind of gone by the wayside. If they don't have Kenny Gainwell in there, doesn't look like they want to throw it to Howard at all. They just hand it off to him. Right. If they do need to throw it more, who's Jalen Hurts going to try and throw it to? Well, it's it's going to be number six, Devontae Smith. You know, he's option number one, probably option number two and three. I mean, let's face it. They want to get him the football and um, at the expense of the others, which, you know, I, I don't think that's a very good way to run an offense. I think you want to be a little more diverse and you don't want teams to be able to say, OK, let's load up to stop Smith and let someone else beat us. Um, why they haven't gotten Quez Watkins involved more, and I know they've been running a lot and Frankly, they haven't run a whole lot of offensive plays, to be honest, uh, against the Chargers. So, but listen, that's that's one of the to me indictments too on Jalen Hurts. You know, is it a Nick Sirianni thing that they're not using Quez Watkins more, and even Jalen Rager? I know Rager appears to be a little limited in you know how he's able to run patterns and get open and such. But um, I thought that this would be kind of a development year for all three of these receivers with Jalen Hurts, but it hasn't really turned out that way. And, you know, we've seen Jalen think against the Chargers. He took a deep shot to Quez Watkins and the throw was nowhere near the playing field. It was all, it was out of bounds from, you know, 10 yards after it was in the air and Watkins is running down the sidelines. So, uh, you know, we saw them complete that 91 yarder that didn't go for a touchdown against the 49ers Hurts and Watkins, but we haven't seen him do much of anything. And, they, they throw these little bubble screens to him because they saw what he did in against the Ravens in a preseason game. So they're in love with that play, but you know, it, it's not working and it's time to figure out how to get Watkins, in my opinion, some touches in this offense because his, his speed will play. Um, but right now it's Devonte Smith. And like you said, Dallas Goddard, he's another option. I mean, they, they threw it 17 times against the chargers Smith and Goddard each had six of those targets, um, so that this is where this offense is going to run. If, if you're not running, you're going to throw to Smith and you're going to throw to Goddard and, you know, at the expense of not having Watkins and Rager develop. Um, and, and again, that's what I thought this season was about is to find some growth with these younger receivers with this young quarterback. And it just, it hasn't played out that way. Well, speaking of development, Ed, Going to take a little bit uh, of a detour out to Western Pennsylvania because why while Miami was playing Baltimore, Howie Roseman and a bunch of other NFL general managers uh, were out watching Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell, uh, more so Kenny Pickett. I think I saw... 21 different teams were there, five different NFL general managers. Now, what's interesting, since uh, Carson Wentz, really, Howie Roseman hasn't traveled very much. Now, maybe a little bit of that is overblown because of the pandemic. Nobody was traveling Mm -hmm. over the past couple of years. But he doesn't often go to these things. So he wanted to get an up-close look at a guy who's who's really – raising up the board when it comes to NFL people. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, 
Is that a signal to you or just due diligence? How do you look at Howie Roseman going to see Pitt versus North Carolina? Yeah, I, I think it's more than due diligence. I think it's a signal that, yeah, they're, they want to draft a quarterback, and they will draft a quarterback. I mean, this isn't a great class, and you're right about Kenny Pickett racing up the boards, you know, and I, and I, I watched that game, to be honest. I did not – I don't play fantasy football, so there was really no reason to watch that <laughs> Dolphins-Ravens game for me uh, last night. I watched Pitt and UNC, and I saw UNC and Wake Forest play the week before, and I'll tell you, I – I know, I know Sam Howe, you know, kind of the roses off the bloom a little bit with the Carolina quarterback, but man, I, I love that way that kid competes, man. He, you know, he's a strong kid, big kid will take a hit. He can run the football when he has to. Um, he, he led his team back from two touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Wake Forest. He led his team back against Pitt from double digits down late in the game. And, and he just is a competitor. And, you know, I know there was a lot of love for Sam Howe coming into the year, and then I think he threw three interceptions in his first game. And you know, he, but he's got a whole new team around him. He lost a lot of guys. Javante Williams, the Broncos of them, running yeah. back, a real the other the other running back, uh, Michael uh, Carter for the yeah, Jets. Mike the Jets guy, right. yeah, he was a yeah. great player the, too. Deami Brown, who's yeah. in Washington, um, you know, he had a lot of guys around him. But I, you know, keep an eye on this Sam Howe. I mean, I. I I don't know how scouts feel about him, but we have a whole off season to find out about these quarterbacks. You know, they're going to have the NFL scouting combine again in March, something they didn't have during the pandemic. Um, Kenny Pickett though, he's a six, three, 220 pound kid who he looks really comfortable running this pit offense, which he should. He's been there for, I think five years. He got yeah. the red shirt year, um, but he just stands back there and he looks like he's, he's got a really good arm. And I think, if you look at what Nick Sirianni wants to do, I think with this offense is he wants to have a quarterback, a big strong arm quarterback, like a picket who can stand back there, read a defense, get rid of the ball quickly. Like, Oh, by the way, teams have done against him. Quarterbacks have done against his defense. I think that's what he wants as a quarterback. It's not going to hold the ball too long. You could say Jalen hurts probably does that in some situations and then tries to make the play with his feet. But I think Sirianni wants to run a pro style, more of a pro style offense with a big, strong quarterback. Stand back there, read the defense, get rid of the football, and Kenny Pickett can do that. Now, can he do it at the next level? I, I don't know. Is he Alex Van Pelt from Pitt, or is he Dan Marino from Pitt, or is he somewhere in between? I, I don't know. Gotta go I, in between. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whole yeah, so. big uh, <laughs> spot to land between those two guys. And I agree with you. Both of them looked good last night. Yeah. I'll look uh, better than he has been, but Pickett yeah. certainly is the preferable of the two guys right now. He's got the bigger arm for yeah. uh, darn sure. And, uh, yes, you're right. Carolina came back from trailing in the game, but Pittsburgh actually won it. When Pickett had the chance to go down and get a touchdown in overtime, what did he do? He went down and got a touchdown in overtime. So give the yeah. kid credit for yeah. what he did. Um, yeah. But let's bring it back to Jalen Hurts, who will be the guy under center for the Eagles this week. Yeah, only 14 attempts in Detroit, only 17 last week. It should make him uh, more accurate, and the guy should be more wide open. They should get a little bit more separation because the Eagles have been effective running the ball. You can't cheat. You can't um, specifically put the, the back guys on uh, wide receivers and have double coverage and the like. Have you seen an improvement with Jalen Hurts' accuracy over the last couple of weeks? I know he missed a couple of passes, but he also made a couple of real nice passes to Devontae Smith. Do you see a progression? Maybe not enough of a progression, but it's at least trending in the right direction with Jalen Hurts for you. 
Uh, Okay, I'll I'll give you that. I think it is trending in the right direction. He did make some really nice throws to Smith. The one sideline pass, you know, from deep in his own end, he really threw a nice ball there. Um, But, you know, I and listen, no quarterback is going to be perfect. Okay, quarterbacks are going to make bad throws. Um, Even even Tom Brady will throw a bad one. And uh, but I don't know if I've seen enough progression to say, yeah, okay he can be the guy, but again, we still have eight games. Maybe we have seen a little bit more of a trending in the right direction, but again, it's only because he's been asked to throw the ball in a limited number of uh, reps here. So, uh, you know, let's see when the, when more gets put on his plate, let's see how accurate he is in a game where he has to throw the ball 30 times. Um, Let's see if he gives you more accuracy, you know, 28 accurate throws versus two, you know, that's just kind of a loose analogy there, but, I'd like to see a little bit more accuracy from Hertz. I mean, we saw some of it against the Chargers, and it was great to see, but um, I, I need to see a little bit more from, from Jalen Hurts in that area, I think, because I haven't seen a whole lot of progression from him in other areas. There's nothing you can point to after eight weeks and say, yeah, he's better at doing that than he was in week one. Um, so, And I think that's why Howie Roseman turned up in Pittsburgh last night to watch Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell play. Yeah, and I think, you know, Ed, that's one of the most disappointing parts of this season for me. People look, obviously, they want to win football games and they'll look at three and six. I'd look at the fact that I kind of already knew what I knew about Jalen Hurts in week one. I knew he could make plays. I knew he was unique. I knew about all the intangible stuff, the leadership. And I'm sitting here entering week 10. I don't know that much more about him. But when you talk about, let's see him throw the football 30 times, we've seen him do that in in the read option uh, type of offense, the spread offense. Do you want to see it in this offense? They have been running the more traditional under center play action offense. Is that the difference? It could be. I mean, I like how they're getting kind of away a little bit more from that RPO stuff. I like that get under center, either hand the ball off or play action. Uh, for sure. I think that's helped hurts, but again, he hasn't been, I mean, he's throwing the ball, what an average of three times a quarter or four times a quarter. I mean, you know, I want to, I want to see more of that um, to see if he's the answer, Uh, you know, and and the Jody's point about, you know, the team showing the ability now to run that does open up more opportunity for this offense. And Jordan Malata talked about that is by putting the name, (laughs) Putting putting the run next to their name, I think, is how a lot to put it. Now that kind of protects the play action stuff, the deep shots you're able to take, because teams now think you're you're going to run the ball. You're a threat now uh, to run the ball out from under center, um, you know, with the play action stuff. And we've talked in the past about you know the coin flip, and let's see John or Nick Sirianni. Say, so, yeah, take the ball, win the toss, take the ball, make a statement with your offense. No, shot. Like no shot, none, zero. Zero yeah. chance that this no. coach is going to do that. You He's think he should. Guy. I think he should. John thinks no. he should. I will tell you right now, zero chance he's going yep. to do that. Zero is right. But here's something else. See if you if you think this is a, has a shot. They get the ball Sunday in Denver, and they play action to Howard or Scott or whoever, and they throw to Quez deep or Smith deep, you know, like we saw Donovan. Yeah, I noticed you didn't say Jalen Rager deep. You send, send somebody <laughs> deep. I mean, just just let's start with that play. 
Let's start with a 60-yard bomb, right? You know, you take the ball at the 25-yard line after the inevitable touchback. You fake it off, fake the handoff to Jordan Howard, and you just chuck it deep to, to Watkins, Smith, or Rager, or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, whoever you think can get, the, get past the defense. Let's see that. First play of the game Sunday. 5% chance, which is better than the zero of okay. deferring. So I like right. it, Ed. I'm with you. Let, let's, yeah. let's roll that one out there. Get yeah, their not? defense on the heels to start the game. Yeah, sure. I mean, you've already showed you can run, right? So let's let's make them think. Yeah, we're going to. Well, there's a couple more. couple reasons that's not going to happen. One, uh, Boston Scout's going to be in the game, uh, <laughs> so they'd have to do it with him. Uh, you know how this team is. They're going to start who they're going to start. Jordan Howard's going to be a big part of it, but he's not going to start the football game. And then they might take a shot. I mean, they might take a shot to to to, to get things early, but. Uh, the consistency throwing the football. And I wanted to get Jalen Rager in there. Boy, I mean, it, 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 we're only, he's in the middle of his second season. And I've never been more certain that it's not going to work here. I don't know. It might work for him somewhere else. Am I being too harsh on, on that? I see nothing from Jalen Rager at this point. Yeah, I mean, I liked how they got him involved against uh, who was it? The I think it was the Lions when yeah, he got hurt. Some manufacturer touches, then he got hurt. Yeah, it's the way they used him as a running back, and then they threw to him down there to go wide, and he slipped and fell and didn't get in. But um, you know, I, I listen. I, I like Jalen. You know, as a, so do I. But... You know, but yeah, it might, it might be time to try to move on from him. I mean, the fact that the Eagles had to take wide receivers in back to back years, you know, tells you that how they it's might a bad, it's a bad thing i no, mean it, people what jody and i were talking about that yesterday Devonte smith is great people get lost in that but you shouldn't have had to have taken Devonte smith right and who knows maybe mike they're not going to take a linebacker that's a pipe dream but they could have they could have gone in a different direction yep. they could have drafted justin fields they could have if they didn't feel that need to keep doubling down at receiver. And it's not just Jalen Rager, it's J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. It's it, It's been years where they can't get a young receiver. Right. And you know what? And I, I pointed this out in an article that I just wrote that, you know, the Eagles have spent five of their draft picks in the last three years on wide receiver. Yeah. Um, and yet Denver comes along with this kid, Tim Patrick, who, you know, an undrafted free agent from BYU in 2018, 6'4", 215-pound kid that, you know, to me, the Eagles need a big-bodied receiver down there. I know they have Dallas Goddard in the red zone, um, and maybe Tyree Jackson will become a red zone threat. You know, six seven, um, former quarterback. We'll see. But you know, here come the Broncos with an undrafted kid in Patrick, and I, and Patrick's really good. I mean, he's he's caught almost eighteen hundred yards worth of balls these last four years. He's having a real nice season this year, over five hundred yards receiving, fifteen yard. Uh, per catch average. I mean, I never, to be honest, I never heard of him. And again, I don't play fantasy football, yeah. but until this game this week, when you start to research Denver, you see Tim Patrick, you're like, yeah. Who the yeah. And he's big. Yeah. He's six. And you learn They're, more about him. And it's like, wait, if can't the Eagles find somebody like I that? Know. You're not spending a draft pick, this high draft collateral that they've spent these last three years. But can't they, develop guys yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's puzzling to be honest all right uh let me put this to you guys and john and i touched on this briefly yesterday um 
I give Howie Roseman credit for taking Devonta Smith when he did the way that he did this year. They could have put, well, all right, Jalen Rager didn't quite work out. Uh, new offense, new coach. We'll, we'll show that he deserved to be that first-round pick. No, they knew that there was a possibility. Oops, we made a mistake with Jalen Rager. We've got to correct that. We've got to add to it. They went and got Devontae Smith so far so good. So I actually put that as a check mark and a good thing in the Howie Roseman column. They still need help at wide receiver. Yes, they do. Quez hasn't uh, developed, and we've got a half a year to go, I know, but it can't be Devontae Smith and four guys named Frank for the next two years here. So they need an upgrade at that position. Free agency this upcoming offseason. We've had some serious split decisions at the wide receiver position. DeAndre Hopkins has done a great job upgrading the uh, Arizona uh, Cardinals, and they're a Super Bowl contender. Certainly, uh, look at what's happened in Buffalo, uh, adding uh, the star wide receiver they got from Minnesota. But we've had a couple of downside guys, too, one of which signed yesterday with the uh, Rams. You think the Browns would like the OBJ trade back, uh, what they gave up to get him and what he didn't do for them? Um, we've had a couple of wide receiver busts over the last couple of years. Will Howie Roseman, we always talk about whether a position in the NFL merits being paid highly, running back at one time was, is no more. Nobody wants to pay running backs anymore. Should the Eagles pay a wide receiver big bucks this offseason? Devontae Adams could potentially be on the open market. Now, you're going to have to pay him a whole lot of money to get him to come here. Should the Eagles aggressively pursue a wide receiver in free agency this offseason? Gosh, you know, it, it is so weird that we're still talking about this after what we just talked about was how yeah. many times they've tried to draft a wide receiver. And for some reason, developmental seems to keep coming up is why can't they develop them? You hire a wide receiver coach to be your head coach. <clears throat> and, you know, it, it hasn't worked out for Rager and even Watkins. They're just not going to these guys. Uh, Devontae Adams would be awesome. Sure. Bring him in, back up Lurie's truck and, you know, give him what he wants. But I'm not sure they're going to do that just because they have spent so many resources in the draft. I mean, you know, I, I, Michael Gallup, I think, is a free agent from the from the Cowboys. You know, maybe you can get him for a little less than you could get like a Devontae Adams. You know, maybe try to shop in that second tier market of receivers. Tim Patrick, I think this is his fourth year in the league. He came in in 18. Four, I mean, I think he's probably due for a new contract. He's probably a free agent. Look at Tim Patrick, because that's what they need. They thought they had it in Travis Fogum, you know, that big-bodied guy. But for whatever reason, Fogum didn't work out. But, you know, yeah. our, our Sega Whiteside hasn't worked out. He was a big-body guy. Um, that's, to me, what they need is, is somebody in the red zone. Now, they've done a good job, the Eagles, of scoring touchdowns. In oh, the they've been great in the red zone. But yeah, that's because so, of Jalen Hurts in the running game uh, yeah. more than anything else. That's right. Um, but yeah, what 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 Jody's thought? I mean, Devonte Adams is great, uh, yeah. and I would want Devonte Adams teamed up with Devonte Smith when I get the four thousand yard throw. When I get the guy capable of slinging the football all over the field, yeah. that's when I want to go in that direction. Until the Eagles get that, I I think ultimately it would be disappointment because you need a vehicle to get them the football consistently. But I do want to shift back to the Broncos, Ed. Um, get you on record. And by the way, everybody read our preview stuff, Ed and I at uh, eaglemaven.com, or if you want the more difficult route, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Um, who's going to win this football game? 
Eagles Broncos get you on record. Yeah, well, listen, I, I <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad Jody wasn't on the show last week to give me grief about this because I picked the Lions uh, to beat the Eagles two weeks ago, and you know, boy, was I. You, you were not alone, Ed. There were others. I, I know there yeah. were others that went down yeah. that road. You you did not do, go there just by yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Jody. I appreciate that. <laughs> But I, you know, and I picked the uh, Chargers last week and, you know, my, my philosophy right now is I pick against the Eagles because, and I'm picking against them again. I think, I just think this thin air, you know, and I touched on it at the start of the show. I think it's going to play a factor with this defense. I think it's going to wear down. Uh, and I think that running game is going to make a dent in that defense. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is one of those quarterbacks that, again, is capable of completing 80% of the throws. So unless Gannon can adjust and take away time and space, you know, I'd like to see him play more of a dime defense. He's got all the cornerbacks in the world now to do it. We're not a dime defense right now. Ed. We're not a dime defense. Well, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you know, they they brought in Tay Gow and Kerry Vincent. They have Zach McPherson. Let's use some of these guys instead of inactivating four of them on game day. I mean, come on, throw them in there. Let's play some dime. Take away time and space. But it's not going to happen. So, I, listen, to answer your question, I'm going to pick the Denver Broncos uh, 28 to 20 in this game. Wow. Despite having their pocket picked with Mac McCain. <laughs> I, I, I think they're going to be able to defend the wide. I'm predicting the under 80% for uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Wow, this bold. That's, that is ma- bold, ma- That's a major thumbs-up prediction. Mm. Ed, always a pleasure, buddy. Appreciate you hopping on board. Are you going Denver, too? Are you out to uh, the Mile High City? Yep, I'm saving my energy today to jump a couple time zones and head to Denver in the morning. Ah, uh, those time zones. So. Yeah. Have a safe trip, both Thanks, of you guys. guys. Appreciate it. Hey, Crash, Thanks, Good Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds 365. All right, the Mac and Mac guys coming back. Uh, we got Michael. We believe his middle name is Brandon. Oh, we should ask Kratz. Is Kratz's middle name Brandon? We've already <laughs> we had two Brandon. Brandons on this week. We need a third. I don't think it's Ed Brandon Kratz, but it might yeah. be Michael Brandon K. who's going to join us. I don't think we're going to get either, Jody, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was hoping for a third, Brandon. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Michael K is going to join us next hour. We'll come back. Uh, Johnny Mac and I will continue to break down the Eagles and the Broncos for you right here on Birds 365. Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, 
Injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doctor, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Thanks for tuning in on this Football Friday here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac, Jordan McDonald, John McMullen, leading into a Broncos-Eagles battle in Denver. Both uh, McMullen and Kratz, you think uh, Michael, don't call me Brandon K, is heading out too, uh, Johnny, when we get him up there? Uh, yeah, Mike will be out there, uh, and Chris Franklin. Uh they're always they always travel those to get those guys. Now, when you guys go, um, same hotel. Most of the Eagle media guys in the same hotel. Do you guys no, stay in touch and all, get together? All over the Everybody's got different points with different. Most people stay in Marriotts because of the points, um, and you accumulate and get free nights and whatnot. Everybody's on different. Occasionally, um, we're there's a bunch of us on the same flight because there's only a limited amount of flights, but hit and miss with hotels. Okay. So there's no like real get together Saturday night strategize out of how to attack the press box. You guys don't have no. uh, pregame the strategy or between like Mike and Chris, you know, who work with the same outlets. Uh, but yeah. No. Yeah, and the same for you and Kratz. Do you yeah. guys ever come to blows on? Uh, uh... Yeah, Ed and I are sometimes in the same hotel. Not this trip, though. You're he's in down... different hotels. Yeah, he's downtown. I am near the airport, which evidently is far away from downtown in Denver. Really? So yeah. you uh, cab it or Uber? Or... Got to Uber it. Okay. You a big Uber guy? Hmm. I use Uber. Uh, what's your definition of big Uber guy? I don't like using Uber. You have to use Uber, uh, I would say. You get some wild people driving. Oof. I have both uh, uh, Lyft and Uber apps on my phone. I've never used either one of them. Well, why do you have them? Cluttering up your phone. Just, just in case. Okay. If you get caught, the car breaks down. You got to be able to get a ride somewhere. All right. I got I it. I cover yeah, my back side, but I have never once 
gotten into I took it once, but somebody else was paying. They said, come on, I got and we got in a yeah. car and went and over. But I've never once used my app to uh, <clears throat> pay for an Uber. It, it it's it's a great app. It's uh you know a great app, and obviously they've made billions of dollars, so it's working out well. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, it's like anything. Same thing with cab in the old days. I mean, you get some cabbies who are going to take you on a a roller coaster ride. Same thing. And I I appreciate them because uh, I'm a late night talk show host on the radio. And, oh, I get yeah. Uber drivers who check in all the time. They're out and about driving their people around, guys yeah. who you wouldn't usually have out there listening to the radio at that time. And I'm sure there's somebody sitting in their backseat going, what the hell is he doing talking to this idiot on the radio? Just get me to point <laughs> B. I need to get there now, buddy. Shut up and drive. Yeah. I'm guessing you, you shouldn't do that with people in the car, but who knows? Oh, I've I've had uh, yeah. people. I've heard people screaming in the background. Hey, no left turn! Oh, okay, we got an Uber guy on the line. All mm-hmm. right, let's get back to Broncos and Eagles. All right, Johnny Mac, here's where I want to ask you about. Yeah, I guess it's quasi criticism of of Nick Sirianni because certainly I've been critical of him at times during this season. Um, last two weeks, big win over the Lions, tough loss last week to the Chargers, last second field goal. I, I, to me, that's completely on the defense. How you let the team go the length of the field, not only get into field goal position, but burn up the entire time on the clock. So yeah, that's the worst chance. part of it. Yeah. I mean, everybody, it's so hard. You see it last night's game as an example. You, you, I mean, I, at one point, you're like, what's going on here? There's more punts than points. And all of a sudden, the fourth quarter, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, it's weird how the NFL works that way. But um, <clears throat> when you tie a game, and I've called that pretty consistently, I think that was the best drive the Eagles have had all year. I thought that was a tremendous drive. And then you go back out on the field, and you just not only let the other team go down the field, but you let them siphon every single second off the clock. That is just devastating. Truly was what happened with them against the Chargers on Sunday, and that's heavy in in Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator's corner. Um, But again, game's up and done. We checked the play sheet. You watched the entire game. You saw how it played itself out. 17 passes. Now, the week before, it was only 14 against the Lions, but you're up by three touchdowns. What are you going to do? You're going to try and run the ball to keep the clock moving, get the game the hell over and done with, get on a plane and take a win with you back to Philadelphia. I was actually a little bit more surprised and, yeah, I'll use this word, disappointed by only 17 passes this past week against the Chargers. I don't think Sirianni has found that perfect balance number yet. This is not a critique. Oh, I critiqued them earlier in the year when they were throwing it way too much and completely just eschewing the run. Um, now I think the pendulum has swung a little bit too heavily in the other direction and they're running a little bit too more because uh, I know Jalen Hurts is what he is, but I think every quarterback who's ever played the game will tell you that rhythm is something they like and they need. And if you're only going to throw it 17 times, how much of a rhythm can a quarterback get into? So I think that uh, Sirianni hasn't been perfect yet. He's been better the last couple of weeks than what we've seen him maybe leaning too heavily on the run is better than the run. Why would we run the football at all for the first six weeks of the season? He hasn't found that, that perfect mid zone just yet. Do we blame Sirianni? Do we blame the quarterback? 
that we blame, and this is the one that I'm kind of leaning toward, the defensive coordinator who can't get his team ever off the field, lets the other team march down the field, take their time, only so many plays in a game because they score, and the bend-but-don't-break lends itself to their offense having the ball that much more. If the Eagles haven't found that perfect blend yet, who's most to blame? Yeah, well, I think you're right. I think it's a, a confluence of all the things. But if you're saying who's the most to blame, I would I would say the head coach and the fact that if you're looking for balance, and, and by the way, I'm not even sure you want balance. Um, uh, but if that's your goal, um, yeah, I mean, he's the one in charge. He's the play caller. He can do some different things to put that in a better balance. You know, one of the things, one of the cliches, one of the go-to cliches of Nick Sirianni, he's got a lot of them, but probably I would say the one he has used the absolute most is a wise man avoids all extremes. Well, at times he hasn't been all that wise because the extreme was once early in the season when he was talking about how we regard, you know, uh, zone read plays, uh, read option plays as, as runs. Uh, but sometimes you don't run the ball, that convoluted explanation, which is true from a coach's perspective, but fans don't want to hear that. Um, and and then you shipped when that portion of the schedule I mentioned started, Las Vegas, Detroit, Chargers, can't stop the run. That's why I'm so interested in this game, because Denver's number six in the run. So you can't say, oh, we're going to line up and run Jordan out. Well, you can. You're probably going to get stoned. Uh, again and again and again, if, at least if, you know, past this prologue or, um, and, and the Broncos stay as what they've been to this point, and you're going to have to rely on throwing the football more. So, you know, again, if you want balance, if that's your goal, uh, the head coach has control over that, has the lever, you know, because remember, as far as the defense, you're right. They stay on the field a lot. They can't get off the field. We've seen these long drives, and that's part of their strategy. Um, so that affects the number of plays, but it doesn't affect the balance of plays, you know, um, other than if you're losing by two, three touchdowns, obviously you're going to throw the football. So, I mean, bottom line is Nick Sirianni has the lever to, to, to toggle between run and pass. And too often, he has gone to extremes, yep. which he says is a bad thing. But is that about the quarterback? I've been saying this for, for weeks now. Is he trying to protect the quarterback? Has he seen all he needs to see from the quarterback? Has Howie Roseman seen all he needs to see from the quarterback? Is that why he's in Pittsburgh? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Well, I hope that there's a little bit more balance swinging back toward. And the one thing you said, which is dead on, John, and I, I hope the game merits it. If it's a lopsided game, then it's going to swing it one way or the other. The Eagles played in a lopsided game just two weeks ago. The lopsided on the positive side, they absolutely ran out in front of the Lions and then were able to just keep adding on to it and doing so on the run. This past week was a game. Well, the game was close the entire game. Nobody ran out to a uh, double-digit lead, so uh, the Eagles didn't need to either go into ground control type mode and or, uh-oh, we got to drop back and throw it on almost every single play. Last week was a game in which I thought there could have been a little bit better balance to the offense. 
I'm looking at this game the same way, John. Would you be surprised if either team in this game got up by two touchdowns? No, I would wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it it is the NFL. The the question from the Eagles standpoint, I mean, you're always uh, a minute away from being down two scores. I mean, who saw Baltimore being down two scores against Miami last night? But, um, you know, it happens in this league. Um, and it happens pretty consistently. And that's one of the things. If you're a good football team, you're going to have to overcome that type of deficit at some point. I've said from the start, I don't think the Eagles are equipped to do that very often. Um so they're probably not equipped to win shootouts still. Uh, I don't think this game will be a shootout, though. But if you're talking about, you know, uh, two touchdown, you know, 14 nothing game early or something like that, you know, one turnover and you're in that hole. And everybody's got to uh, come overcome that kind of adversity at some point. Give the Eagles credit. They they have not been a turnover machine as a team. They have not gotten enough turnovers. Maybe that's because their defense coordinator believes in the, yeah, we'll bend and bend and bend and bend and bend and bend and never break. Yeah, they break enough. And that's why they're three and five, uh, three and six, excuse me. Um, but they haven't turned over the ball. That is one thing you got to say about Jalen Hurts. He has not thrown all that many picks for as much as he does. Yeah, he's take protected off. the ball really well. He, he really has. He's protected and, it really well. And that's something that a young quarterback is more apt to not do than to do. And he has done a really good job of it. Well, really, pretty damn good job of it uh, so far this year, not turning the ball over. Is this a possible turnover uh, week? Is this the kind of week where either the Eagles – benefit from and get there and I, I let me bring this up here um eagles defensive line hasn't done its job uh they haven't gotten enough pressure it is a position that they've uh, dedicated a lot of money to and it hasn't paid results and one other thing i want to critique the eagles defensive line about and i know this is it's kind of like turnovers you you just can't dictate it but you can help uh it along the way do any of the Eagles defensive linemen ever get their hands up? <laughs> ever? Um, ever? Now, I hear what you're saying. That's, uh, you know, some guys have a knack for that. Obviously, J.J. Watt was, you know, maybe the best ever. Um, and, you know, we saw one last night. Calais Campbell has been one of the best ever as well. Um, yeah, they don't have a knack for that. Um I, you know, they're certainly told to do it. I, but I don't think they really did a lot of that when Jim Schwartz was here. So I can't blame that on uh, Jonathan Gannon to that standpoint. There are guys, I mean, there are guys who just have an act for it and guys who don't. It's a trait, it's a skill. But yeah, if you're not going to get home, um, you better get your hands up. And I think more of the interior guys than the outside guys. One of the problems with the outside guys with the Eagles is they don't have that length. And the one guy who can do it a little bit is Josh Sweat. So if you think about guys, Watt is 6'6", and uh, Campbell's bigger than that. He's 6'7", 6'8", whatever the heck he is. Um, it, it, length is a big part of that. Right. And Josh Sweat is really the only traditional lengthy defensive end the Eagles have. Brandon Graham, obviously, very uh, short 
uh, stubby for a defensive end. Um, you know, people talking about moving Milt Williams outside. Uh, same thing. He doesn't have that length. Right. So that's one of that give and take. If, you know, and that's why people look for length at defensive end. And I'm okay with the guy. I, I isn't up. Oh, he's not six foot four. I'm not drafting him. No chance. No shot. If you can play, you can play. But if you're not the kind who has length, who can get his hand up, who can get his hand on a pass every once in a while, well, then you've got to be better in another area. You got to do something else even better. If you're going to give up length, that's fine. That Aaron Donald guy isn't all that big, but he's the best player in the National Football League. Why? Because he does other things well, even if he doesn't bat down passes. Yeah, I'm just feeling it this week, John. I think this could be a week that maybe something like that, something we don't usually see with the Eagles, we actually see transpire. Maybe a ball tipped up, maybe an interception, maybe a take one to the house type play, which could which could be a key to it. Maybe now, they uh, only went on the road, Jody. This is the time where something crazy is going to happen because that's the only way they could win. That's the only place they win. Obviously, they're not going to win at Lincoln Financial Field. So, you know, go a mile high. Something crazy is going to happen. We'll see if uh, our buddy Michael K is thinking along the same lines we are. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Stay right here on Birds 365. Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. 
Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. The countdown is on to Eagles Broncos on Sunday. Late afternoon window for us here. For these guys, it's going to be a one o'clock kickoff because they're going to be out there. Well, well a two o'clock kickoff, two, I guess. Two twenty-five. Right? Yeah, the rare two twenty-five kickoff. I think Rocky Mountain time. That uh, both John McMullen, my right, partner. I, I I haven't <laughs> thought it through to be honest with you. I'm not there yet. I just checked yeah. into a flight and I've got two middle seats. Uh oh. Oh. Oof. And then I, I saw the stateside it. vodka ad, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> John, you got to bring me some of that. Yeah. Now, I'm wait, the case, wait a minute. So, I know yeah. you're a big guy, Mike, but two middle seats? Do you actually get two seats on the plane? No, he means. Uh, no, I got a connecting. Yeah. And then, so I'm flying into Chicago, and then I'm flying to Denver because um, mm-hmm. you got to get up to get down. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go. good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Mike K. And I want to say NJ.com. I want to get that off the yes. back. Yes. know that uh, does a great job with our other buddy, Chris Franklin. Is Chris on the same flight, by the way? Let's get uh, all the He is not. Talk. So okay. typically we do fly together, but we figured later in the season there might be different press conference stuff. Um, and I've true. never been to Denver. I've got a lot of friends there, so I wanted to check it out a little bit. So we're on separate flights, but. Uh, I'm actually staying a little bit later in Denver, and he's gonna kind of make this a quicker trip. So, all right. Yeah. All uh, right. Speaking speaking of press conferences, I didn't ask John this, so I'll ask you both at the same time. Uh, yesterday, some players made available, and I give the Eagles credit. They almost always pick the guys who've been playing well of late, like Davion Taylor. Don't hear from him much. He's actually playing now and making some plays. Let's get him out in front of the media. Um, good for the Eagles. They're smart enough to know who to. Uh, handpick the hand to you guys to talk to. Anybody say anything or reveal anything that either uh, surprised you or uh, buoyed you in this game going in against the Broncos? Well, I learned that uh, Devontae Smith thinks that he can play corner against <laughs> Darius Slay, but I, no, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. say there's a lot to glean there. Um, but I would say, Look, Devontae Smith is probably going to match up against Patrick Sertan. They had a lot of battles uh, at Alabama in practice. I think that's going to be a highly competitive matchup, and it'll be interesting to see. I think, um, you know, the the defense typically doesn't give away any of its tricks or trades as much as you try to poke and prod them. So really you're not going to get a ton of, uh, you know, ton of information there. Uh, Mike, before I get into the Broncos game, and there's a lot to get into there, the Broncos are very banged up, I think, number one. So we'll get into that. But uh, last night, Howie Roseman went out to Pittsburgh. Uh, Now, Howie hasn't traveled a ton since Carson Wentz, really, in 2016, since uh, they made the decision. Obviously, they thought they were going to be able to get their franchise quarterback. They were doing all their due diligence. Now, part of that is the pandemic and nobody traveled. But nonetheless, I think it was notable that he was 
among, I think, five GMs out there to watch Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell. Big, big news, due diligence. Are people reading into that too much, or are the Eagles really, really diving down into the quarterbacks, do you think? Well, I, I think it's a mix of all three, right? Um, they control the board. They have three first-round picks. In a draft where the Giants have two first-round picks, the Jets have two first-round picks. So um, I, I think they're just trying to figure out – they're doing the right thing. They're trying to figure out, hey, first off, what's do, do we have options at quarterback? If Jalen Hurts doesn't turn things around or prove that he's the guy – um, we want the rest of the league to assume that we are interested in quarterbacks in the draft. And then on top of that, if you're Howie, you're saying to yourself, well, I think that I need to kind of be a little bit more hands-on if I'm going to, you know, make these picks, I need to be as informed as possible. And I, I, I think that's the right way to handle it. Look, I think Kenny Pickett is an intriguing guy because he, played in the state of Pennsylvania in college. He's from New Jersey. Uh, there's a ton of local ties with him. He is an older college quarterback. He's a guy who is a late bloomer as well. So I think you want to take every opportunity possible to study this guy. Sam Howell, I don't think really is in the conversation personally, but um, I think when you look at a guy like Kenny Pickett, there's a lot of appeal there because of how efficient the offense is at Pittsburgh how well he's playing, uh, his size outside of his hand size, obviously. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know, he he reportedly has the smallest hand size potentially in NFL history if he does go to the it's NFL. It's going to be uh, big combine news when the hand size. Yeah, I mean, up. it's kind of the, the Devontae Smith's spelt yeah. frame yeah. sort of myth. Uh, not myth, but like a discussion. So – but the Eagles have shown that they'll overlook that discussion in the past. So uh, I think that's notable. I do think – I don't think Kenny Pickett would be in, in the mix for a top five pick. But I do think he could be a top 15 guy. He, to me, he's Joe Flacco. So – and if you're comfortable with Joe – like prime Joe Flacco, you're going to make a move. Which uh, nice tie out of you. Didn't Joe Flacco once play in Pittsburgh? No, it's – uh, before he went to Delaware, yeah, just, yep. he, he, he wants to pick. Um, and, and he's from New Jersey, so yeah. same exact thing. A lot, a lot of connections, a lot of I mean, comparisons yeah. between those two guys. Um, and oh, by the way, Mr. Smallhands Pickett in the rain last night started raining second half of the game when the ball is supposed to get slippery. Was able to keep his hands out of march him down the field and get the game winning touchdown. So give him credit for that, even with his small hands. All right, uh, let me take it back to the current Eagles quarterback, which is of course Jalen Hurts. Only 17 pass attempts last week. I was a little surprised at that by the end of the game. It was a game where both teams moved the ball. The Chargers move it the same way everybody moves against the Eagles. Slow, methodically down the field, ending up in a touchdown, which is not good. Um, but it did keep the number of plays that the Eagles had the chance to run down a little bit. They ran it effectively again, which means they weren't going to put it up. Is the coach giving Jalen Hurts the chance. The last couple of weeks, you got one win and one game that you almost won, and that's got to be the main goal. Not trying to figure out if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2023, but that's always an important understory. Is the coach doing enough to let Jalen Hurts prove that he is or isn't the guy the last couple of weeks? I actually think he's helping him. Uh, I, I think you look at the way he's been able to sell play fakes 
that's come based on the success in the run game. Um, but I do think this team is beyond trying to figure out Jalen Hurts, right? I think at, at, at this point, it's like, hey, you've got to show some growth somewhere. It's, it's not just about Jalen. The first eight weeks were about Jalen for the most part. Now it's about figuring out if you've got a head coach who can be here long term, because really that should be the priority. Um, I mean, the Eagles. Right, well, hold on. And then let me stop you right there, Michael. Okay. Yay or nay. If they figure out Jalen Hurts, if the Jalen Hurts question has been answered, is it a nay in your mind? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, look, he can change that nay into a yay, right? There's still time to do that. But as of right now, the skeptics are in the right right now. I mean, there's a lot that concerns you. The accuracy, the inconsistency, the the need to flee the pocket, even when it's clean. Um, there's a lot there, but there's also a lot to like about Jalen. He's one of those guys where it's kind of in like the Andy Dalton sphere, where it's like, he's not going to lose you games, but he's also probably not going to consistently win you games either. And so I think they're trying to figure out you know, his his strengths are antithetical to what Nick Sirianni clearly wants to do. The first few games of the season, very shotgun heavy, very, um, you know, 11 personnel heavy, very pass heavy. Uh, the last two weeks, they've been extremely successful being ground and pound, under center, uh, using a lot of play action, um, not a lot of RPOs. And so you're seeing them switch it up to accommodate Jalen Hurts. But I also think Jalen Hurts throwing 40 times a game is not how you win ball games. Jalen Hurts throwing 20 to 25 times a game, you can win games like that. The most impressive drive of the year, in my opinion, ended in the field goal. Um, in the second quarter, they went 13 personnel and 13 consecutive plays, ran the ball 12 times, absolutely dominated the line, line of scrimmage. <clears throat> it only screwed up and didn't get score when they went into a different personnel group for the final two plays of that drive and settled for a field goal. But frankly, Nick Sirianni's growth is the most impressive thing to come out of the last two weeks. He is adapting not only to his personnel, but the personnel of the opponent, which is what you should be doing. The first six weeks it was about this is what i want to do right it's like any <laughs> cocky look it's like a, you guys know it's like a cocky beat writer coming into philadelphia in week two of 2018 thinking that he can write about Corey clement and the pride of new jersey and getting tons of clicks out of it that's that's what that's like right so you know he came in thinking he knew everything or maybe maybe feeling like he knew everything and he's learning on the job like, that's what this team is. They're all learning on the job. And I think Jonathan Ginn gets a ton of grief um, when you consider the personnel that he has. That said, it's been eight weeks. Switch things up. It's not working. Um, so I think there's blame all to go around with this three and six record. But I also think they're kind of at where a lot of us thought they would be. Um, you know, if they get going and things start turning around, if they... Yeah. If they beat Denver and then they beat New Orleans, then you have the Jets and or the Giants and then the Jets. They've never never lost to the Jets. I mean, if they rattle off four wins there, they're seven and six heading into the the bye week, which is crazy. And then all they have that, to do, that, yeah, that and would then all be they crazy. have to do is split the final four games, and they're nine and eight, and that's a massive improvement. Maybe they don't make the playoffs, but they make me look good.
Yeah, and that's where that's where I had him. You're right. We all had, you know, look, the difficult part of the schedule was the early part, and now they're heading into the easier part, and we'll see if they can make that run. And that's where you see the improvement. You know, one thing I, I do want to talk to you, Mike, about JG, because he, he's taken a lot of heat. We know that. Um, there, there are talent deficiencies. But I, I've said this this week, and I kind of want to run it past you, because if this is the week, I look at Denver. I look at Big Fangio. That's a top 10 defense. And look at the depth chart. You don't even know who these guys are. Mm-hmm. Um Bon Miller's gone, obviously. Um, Bradley Chubb's been on IR the entire year. Alexander Johnson's their best linebacker. He's on IR. Josie Jules, a starting linebacker. He's on IR. They still find a way to be a top 10 defense. Um, So, you know I'm a JG guy. I I think he's got significant uh, personnel issues in the back seven. But Vic Fangio has proven you can do some things without top-tier talent. It, that, to me, is the biggest indictment of, of Jonathan Gannon to this point. Well, Vic Fangio has also been like a defensive coordinator for almost 20 years, yeah, right? So, I mean, you he's know, he's, um, no, I agree. Listen, I think they've put linebackers in really tough spots that they are not capable of being in. Jim Schwartz did the same thing. But – you know, you got to run your defense in a lot of ways. And so, look, I, I think the problem here is you have two press corners playing zone. They're playing very well in zone. But when the ball's coming out really quickly because they're playing off, that's not going to help. Um, against the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater is extremely accurate. Uh, in the short to intermediate range. He can slice and dice you. That's his game. Literally what's been beating the Eagles consistently, or I should say every other week, uh, when they face a good quarterback, that's that's Teddy's game. He's yeah. not going to test you down in the field. There's absolutely no reason to play off. Uh, this week they're going to have to play press. They're going to have to. And that's why, they, look, the defensive line has not played well. But you've got to give them a shot. You can't just, like, play 10 yards off every single play. So I think, look, Gannon's at kind of like a crossroads here. I don't think he's in, uh, about to lose his job or anything. I know there's, there's been calls for that, but I, I think he needs to switch it up. It has been nine weeks. <laughs> like it's time. Like, you know what guys can do well and what guys can't. Now the switch from Eric Wilson to TJ Edwards should have happened probably five weeks earlier. Uh, Eric Wilson's one of the worst linebackers I can remember being here. And it, it, look, yeah, he gave Nate Gary a run for his money. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, for real. Like, Especially I, I, in run support. Yeah, he was supposed to be this great one. pass yeah. defender. Where? <laughs> what? Like, you know what I mean? So, um, But look, the safeties aren't playing well. Rodney McLeod seems to have lost a step a little bit. Uh, Anthony Harris has not played particularly well. Um look, they need to give the defensive line some help and, and some time. And I think Teddy Bridgewater, if you hit him, it's going to be a long afternoon. It's going to be a really long afternoon for Denver. I, so, like, the, I like the way you put it, Mike, in that uh, Nick Sirianni, the first X amount of weeks of the season, was like, all right, we're going to do everything my way. And then he looked at it and said, mm, 
maybe I should be doing what gives us the best chance to win, even if it's out of my comfort zone. Well, sure. guess what? The defensive coordinator gets needs to get out of his comfort zone this week. Mm-hmm. And he needs to give two top players. If you rank the Eagles players from top to bottom, overall talent, what they've achieved both this year and previously in their career, Darius Lay and Steven Nelson are two of their top 12 players, their top dozen players, offense and defense combined. Let them make plays. If they're playmakers, let them make plays. Get them up on the line of scrimmage. Get them checking wide receivers. See if they can get a tip ball and make a play like that. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, even noodle arm Teddy Bridgewater, may throw one over your head and give up a 60-yard touchdown. But if you get a pick along the way that sets you up for a touchdown, well, then that's a push. Give look, these guys a chance to make plays on the corner this week. Look, I'll go as far as to say this. I think that Darius Slay is no less than a top four player on this team. Uh, Jason Kelsey's the best player on this team, in my opinion. Lane Johnson's number two. You could argue Darius, three, Darius Slay is number three. He is more important to this defense, in my opinion, than Fletcher Cox. Um, Javon Hargrave is maybe the other guy you could, you could put in there. But look, I, I think... I think you're right. I think you just got, I mean, look, Jerry Judy is a, is a yak machine. He's going to tear up zone coverage. Uh, Cortland Sutton. If you're not, if you're not pressing that guy, he is going to get open pretty relentlessly. And then like you look at, you know, the Tim Patrick is such a unique body type. He's built like a tight end. And so if you're putting him in the slot, that's going to be a really tough matchup for Avante Maddox. So, I, look, I, I think you've got to be physical with this Broncos team. Um, the weather's not going to be too bad. You you know that you can match up talent for talent with this team because they're not very talented because they're banged up, as John said. Go at them. And here's the thing. Three of their starting offensive linemen are injured. All the more reason to press and give the defensive line more time. So, uh, yeah, that, that'd be my strategy. I'm, I'm with you guys on that. All right, strategy on the offensive side, Mike. Um, did they make the shift? You talked that uh, they were heavy 11 personnel, a lot of RPOs uh, over really the first six games, then Las Vegas, um, I think 28th in the NFL in run defense. Um, Detroit was 29th, Chargers dead last, 32. Um, and they shipped to more traditional play action, under center, run the football. This week we have a banged up Denver defense, but that defense is number six against the run. So Mm -hmm. where do we land? Where do we land on the RPO heavy? Uh, We're really, we're running the football when we really throw it, Nick Sirianni, or are we going to try to line up Jordan Howard and bang into the six rank run defense? Well, I think you've got to set the tone, right? I think you've got to at least show that you're not afraid to run the football. So I think they will, they'll start off in what they've been doing the past two weeks. And if it doesn't work, they'll have to adjust. Um, They have to be able to sell play fakes. That's what Jalen Hurts has become very, very good at. And so if you're not running the ball, that takes away the illusion after a little while. And so I think what they'll try to do is they'll try to get the screen game going. I think they'll they'll run at them pretty regularly in in the opening script, and then if it doesn't work, they'll just adjust from there. But yeah, I, I do think you'll see a mix. Look, I think 
Nick Sirianni is maturing on the job. I think he's figuring out ways to uh, adjust. And now that he's got Brian Johnson on the sideline, he can talk to Shane Steichen basically whenever he needs to, whenever they need to adjust stuff. And I think that that happened starting in Detroit. And I think that's where you've seen kind of the mature, the maturation of the offense. So, um, you know, I, I, I think they've got to test that run defense. I think they do. Um, I'm a big believer that if you, if there is a strength to a defense, you have to at least test it. And that's why I wasn't like over, over the moon upset or frustrated with the fact that they kept passing the ball against good passing defenses. You've got to test. Um, so I think that's what they'll do early on, but I do think they have it in their back pocket to be able to handle a lot of passing plays. Michael, the best laid plans of mice, men, and offensive and defensive coordinators can be laid to waste by how a game plays itself out. Last week was a great game to just be able to do what you wanted to do because neither team grabbed the big lead. It was 7 nothing. It was 7 7. It was 10 7. There was 10 10. It was 16 10. There was 17 16. They just went back and forth. No team ever got a two touchdown lead which gives you the chance to do what you want to do. Sometimes you're dictated to. You can lay out your game plan. You can have all the best intentions. You fall down by two touchdowns. You got to start to tweak. You got to start to adjust. You got to do things somewhat differently. Is this going to be one of those games? Will it be tightly contested the entire time? Can the Eagles get up by two touchdowns and then be able to dictate terms? Will they fall backwards by two touchdowns and then have to adjust on the fly because they're trying to play catch up? How is this game going to play? I see these as two very evenly matched teams. Luckily for the Eagles, the Broncos are a little beat up, which kind of moves the ball into the middle of two evenly matched teams because one right now is five and four and the other is three and six. Is this the type of game that we can get a real good true read on what the Eagles are, both from a player standpoint and a coaching standpoint? Not really. I think this is like the Carolina Panthers game. I think this is going to be relatively close throughout. I think whoever wins is going to come down to the wire. I don't, I don't think this is, I don't think this is an Eagles team that can blow out mediocre teams. They can blow out bad teams. They can't beat blow out mediocre teams. And this is the first true mediocre team that they've really played outside of Carolina. So I think that's kind of what the situation is. I actually have the Broncos winning 23-20. I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, I, I do think the Eagles will run a lot in this game. I think they need to. I think Jordan Howard's a different type of running back than, than a lot of the offenses that Denver has faced this year. And so I think, look, I, I, I think they're going to have to get guys involved. They're going to have to get Gainwell involved. They're going to have to get Boston Scott involved. I think Devontae Smith's going to have to have a big game for them to beat this team. And I, I, I don't – that's easier said than done. And so, um, look, I'm not going to pick the Eagles until Jonathan Gannon uh, adjusts his defense. I, and that's a decision I've made moving forward. Until he shows some signs of adjustment the way that Nick Sirianni has, I'm not picking the Eagles. Mike, you alluded uh, to, I think, was the most interesting uh, story line of the week. You wrote about it. Uh, people should check it out at NJ.com. The Eagles moving Brian Johnson from the coaching box down to the field a couple weeks ago. Sort of had that direct connection with Jalen Hurts, kind of frees up. Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen uh, to do more things with the offense. Nick, 
from a game management perspective as well, the overall, um, I think that's a really positive sign. I, I do for Nick Sirianni is moving forward as a head coach, a true head coach. He talks all of, all the time about his name is on everything. So offense, defense, special teams, but we know the difference between CEO coaches and play callers. Play callers often get bogged down. They just, you know, sort of defer to the defensive coordinator, special teams guy, what have you. You take it the same way, really positive sign for the growth of a young head coach. Absolutely. I think he's growing a lot, especially since since Vegas. I, I think you're, you're seeing this natural progression of a guy who's figuring it out. You know, he goes very run dominant uh, with, with the Lions. He doesn't put the game in Jalen Hurts' hands. Um, which, look, I think Jalen can be a starting quarterback in the league, but I don't think he's going to be anything more than a top 20 guy. This team is obsessed with finding that top five, top 10 quarterback. And that's, you know, fair or not, that's what it is. Um, So they've got to find a way to win around him. And I think they have done a good job of that. Nick Sirianni has improved his relationship with with Jalen Hurts. I could tell you for a fact that they get along very, very well behind the scenes. Um, That is a very good relationship. Um, and I think they're, they, you know, Nick Sirianni's, you know, people compare Nick Sirianni to Ted Lasso and beyond the joke, it's actually because they're both teachers at heart, right? They're both natural teachers. And I think he's teaching himself too, as he's going along in this season, I think moving Brian Johnson down is makes this play calling system much more efficient. Look, Shane, People have been calling for Nick to have an offensive coordinator. Well, Shane Steichen is an offensive coordinator, and now being able to counsel with him between series and everything like that is very effective and can help him. Like there, there's they have a, a a plethora of coaches who have experienced as quarterback coaches and running back coaches and all this other stuff. You've got to free up your your top assistant to be able to communicate with you at a moment's notice, and I think that's been the change that I've been impressed by. I think, you know, Nick and, and Jalen Hurts having those behind the, the scenes meetings on Fridays are really important. I think Nick's figuring it out. And I think this is what Jeffrey Lurie saw in him. He, he saw the potential there. He just had to figure it out. And I, I, I think the last two weeks have been extremely encouraging um, from an objective standpoint, just on the job, watching the, like the, the problem with Gus Bradley, right? I covered Gus Bradley, similar personality, similar teacher. He never really changed. He never really adapted um, until he was forced to. Nick's figuring this out in his rookie season, and I think that that's that's really, you know, encouraging. All right, I want to play Ted Lasso slash Nick Sirianni for a second here. And both of you guys tell me if I do the job as a motivational speaker and analogy maker. They're going believe, into Denver, Jody, right? You got to believe. Believe. Okay. Um, um, you, you tell me if you believe in me after I make my shorty speech here. They're going into Denver. Although I've never been a skier my entire life. Never strapped one of those pieces of wood onto my foot. Gone skiing a couple times. You can get lucky in the uh, the, the, the bar if you've got a good enough story. You don't actually have to go out. You gotta and wear, you gotta wear the, the lip tag. You gotta oh, yeah. I, and I got the limp down. It's worked for me. I can tell you that. Um, here's what I'm giving my defense coordinator if I'm the head coach of the Eagles as far as this separates, uh, a motivational speech goes. Get the hell off the bunny hill. Go all black diamond on me this week. Let's take some friggin' chances. 
How about we get a little bit aggressive and play man on the outside? How about we bring an extra guy? We blitz a little bit. Get off the bunny hill, Jonathan Gannon, and take some chances this week against this Bronco offense. Ted Lasso, can I pull it off? What do you think? Uh, I think Ted Lasso would have been like pizza, hot dogs, pizza, yeah, hot dogs. Pizza, yeah, but yeah, you know, that was pretty good. It's a I, South like Park that. I like that rah rah material. But look, like That's Philadelphia, blitz, 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 blitz. I'm a Philadelphian. You damn straight. Yeah. I want to see him blitz this week. But I think Jody makes a really good, great point in that, like, look, you got to be aggressive. Like, you you can't. I think Nick Sirianni took it personally when he started to hear that um, his offense was soft. Because if you look at the last two weeks, I mean, they have not been soft. They've been dominant at the line of scrimmage. And honestly, I think the offensive linemen appreciate it. Um, If it were me, I would be benching uh, Jack Triscoll for Nate Herbig, but that's a whole other story. Um, I'm with you. I think they need to continue to make adjustments. This season is about, okay, cool. You want to win, but it's also about figuring out who your best personnel is. And I think they've done that at linebacker. I've been calling for TJ Edwards to start since training camp. Um, He's played really, really well. So now you got to figure out on offense. Look, I know Jack Driscoll is a guy you invested a draft pick in, but he, to me, he's the new big V he can play, uh, basically all five positions, and he's a very good backup. Let him be your sixth man. But I think Nate Herbig's a guy who has a ton of potential at right guard, and until Brendan Brooks is back, that's what I would do, especially if you're going to run the ball the way they have. Um, I mean, I think this Eagles team is set up. If they beat Denver, it changes a lot of things. It it, it does, and they're going to be in the football game. It's a winnable game, which by definition means it's a losable game as well. Uh, you know, last question from me. You know how I end this, Mike. Uh, we we went through the the stuff. We got to talk about it. The minutia. Now we get to the important stuff. What have you liked? AEW versus WWE, both companies. What have you liked recently? Well, I I like that I haven't read in the last few days about AEW talking about WWE. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Uh, Look, I, I, I haven't watched this week's shows. I'm kind of overwatching WWE. Um, I'm like a, a closet AEW guy. Um, I did see the CM Punk, uh, Eddie Kingston uh, back and forth. And yeah. that was maybe one of the best promo segments I've seen in probably five years, like involving two different dudes. Um, incredibly well done. And then I read, I'm not an Eddie Kingston guy. I wasn't an Eddie Kingston guy at all. I found him fairly annoying. uh, And I don't think he's very good in the ring. But I read his um, players only, or Players Tribune. Yeah, Players Players Tribune. Tribune. Players only. (laughs) That would be a sight. So I read his Players Tribune article. And if you haven't checked it out, it is very, very personal and very, very honest. And I, I want to buy him a toaster for his eventual wedding. Like that's how much I, I like this guy. Now I might buy a t-shirt. Um, really, really intriguing story as a person. You can tell he's like a genuine tough guy and not a guy playing tough. Um, but no, I, I'm really in, intrigued by that feud. I can't watch Cody Rhodes anymore. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if they're doing it on purpose or whatever, but the guy is 
you know, Alex Wright playing Sting from 1992. And I can't, I just can't, I can't do this. Um, intrigued by Hangman Adam Page, although I think it's very, very weird to be called Hangman Adam Page in, you know, this time period. <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit strange. I yeah, agree you know, with you. They, uh, they make some unintended unforced errors i would yeah, describe it uh i would have switched that up and just you know just like jungle boy jack perry is an amazing wrestling name yeah and they just continue to call him jungle boy the kids well like, not to mention you don't take advantage of who his father was right. by calling him jungle boy I right mean, i agree oh by the yeah. way i don't know if you guys saw this but uh you can't kill david arquette the documentary i watched it on the plane uh going to to vegas and I got to tell you, it's a great documentary. Um, and you see his relationship. He was really close with Jack's dad. Uh, and when David Arquette nearly died, Jack actually drove him to the hospital. So uh, very interesting. You see him train. You see him train with in Mexico. It's pretty cool if you're, if you're into that sort of thing. couple AEW thoughts quickly. I'll get mine in. Um, <laughs> Go for it. They can't change Jungle Boy's name because the song is just too over. The friggin' yeah. crowds love that. That song plays and no, the crowd No, he can be Jungle nuts. Boy Jack Perry. Just yeah. don't call him gotta, Jungle Boy. Yeah. Every, yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. so add his name and you'd be okay with it. Yeah. All right, yeah. well, yeah. They it's can't about get presentation. Right. Yeah. They can't get rid of Jungle Boy if, you, if you're going to And the pop, it. it's not about the pop. I mean, music is great, sing-alongs are great, but people get overwhelmed by the pop. You know, it's about selling the wrestler. It's about long-term stories. It's about, you know, it's yeah, not about the, that. The pop second. sometimes sells the merchandise, and don't kid yourself. That's always a consideration when they're making these decisions. And the other unforced era, I'm scared. I think they're going to take my gal, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I think they're going to take the title from her this week. Well, they have to eventually, but not she, yet. What, not she's yet. She's too county? good. She's too hot. Yeah, do not Austin. do it yet this week. Yeah, do I not. wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do no, it. No. I would wait till the TBS title is is like figured out, and then you immediately have her like go into that because I want to see her versus Jade, whatever her name is, the undefeated Cargill. Cargill, yeah, yeah. I that's that's money right there. You do mm. it so that maybe. Uh, Cardhill loses on like a fluke in the TBS tournament, and then then you can carefully book her against uh, Br- uh, Brit, and then you take the title off of Brit, and then she immediately oh. feuds for the TBS title. Um, our, our buddy uh, Tony Khan hopefully will not be listening, Mike, but uh, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, um, Adam Cole, already ordinary. They didn't no. take advantage. They I think did Adam not Cole take has, advantage. I think Adam Cole has been. I, I was at Adam Cole's first match for AEW. Yeah. He's a mid carter. <laughs> like, that's what he is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if the elite was the NWO, he's probably six. You know what I mean? Like, he's. I, he's, I, I NW, re- he's NWO red and uh, what was it? Oh, uh, Wolfpack? Wolfpack. Wolfpack. I like the, the best, pack. You want to talk about you want to talk about a pop? They had the best theme music of the entire nineties. So that's true. That um, true. But what I will say is this: you don't want to get into Rick Rude territory with a theme song, right? Where Glorious was like the biggest hit. Bobby Rude, yeah, yeah Bobby oh, that Rude. was tremendous. That, yeah, that, that incredible song, incredible entrance. Yeah. Unbelievable. Nothing else after that. Yeah, like exactly. Boring. <laughs> I mean, he's a good hand, but it's 
Yeah. You know what I mean? No, you're right. That 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 entrance was unbelievable. The yeah, the, yeah. the full NXT one, not when it got to WWE. Well, and I think that changed the way NXT presented guys, right? Because they realized that that was. Oh, by yeah, we get, we got to talk about this. So I'm I'm a yeah. huge NXT guy. <laughs> NXT 2.0 is oh, it's 2.0. Awful. It's awful. It's terrible. Horrific. Horrific. It's, it's, it's awful. It's, Vince McMahon should be indicted for murder. Flashy colors. Murdered, That's what we need for murdered. wrestling. Psychedelic color. What the hell were they that was the most, Oh, look. Okay, cool. Couldn't beat AEW. You're competing with Chris Jericho and like, <laughs> I mean, international superstars. Yeah. I mean, look. Just, I, I mean. <sighs> it was such a great product. And now we got the mob guy. It's like back to when they had the goons. <laughs> and Duke, yeah, they're the down to like. It's they're down to like uh, AWA in the eighties, but yeah. like in two thousand twenty one, it's like well, they it, still have a lot of really good wrestlers, really good talent. But yeah, the the presentation is just terrible. But I will say, Roman Reigns remains the best thing in professional wrestling, and nothing else is close. But not enough to make me watch a show when you're booking Jeff Hardy to just do talking segments. And well, it, you love Jeff Hardy. That's anyway. my guy. Yeah. That's my guy. Put yeah. him in a serious feud. I'll watch SmackDown. All right. Like, don't well. disrespect. Look, I'm I I've been watching that guy since 1999. Well, it's time though. It's time. It's like uh, fine. You know, then then free him. Let run. him go to AEW. Let him yeah. go. I'm praying for the day that he goes to AEW. Do you know how big? Of, that's the thing. I was talking to somebody about this who doesn't like Jeff, and I'm. If Jeff went to AEW, it would be almost as big as CM Punk going to AEW. See, I don't agree with that. Well, here's why. They they already have uh, Jeff Hardy at 20 years old and Darby Allin. Oh, my God. I I hate that comparison. I hate that comparison. Well, I don't like Darby Allin. But he's trying to do – I should say he's a poor man's Jeff Hardy. Uh, actually yeah, see, a broke a broke man's jeff Hardy. listen here's the thing jeff hardy is who everybody in the indies basically based their sh- their stuff stuff on for like 15 years yeah right the reason why the young bucks are successful is they literally stole everything uh, they by could the way they're they're my cody Rhodes. i'm done with that yeah i, yeah. I do i like them as heels i like how over the top they are yeah. they remind me of like scott hall towards the end of wcw but yeah. um my thing is, is like Jeff is a sh- like. Could you imagine a Jeff CM Punk feud now, like now, like a sober Jeff Hardy versus CM Punk? Or what a about you could Jeff you could sell me as as stinging Jeff? Like they had the worst pay per view match in the history of professional Come wrestling on. outside of, outside of Stargate ninety six. Mike, I'm the I'm the old guy, and you can't turn the page. Sting is sixty six years old. Whatever the heck, he's taking great bumps, man. Yeah, not bad yeah. for an old man. I mean, he's yeah. looking the guy's okay. got spinal stenosis. Let him go. I shouldn't even be in the ring. Right. Well, but we got we got to wrap this up, boy. The show is almost. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm talking. Back to you, and I'm I got to come back and make a pig segment on the Eagles. We got. Oh yeah, we got to swing it back into right. football somehow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do me a favor. Call K after the show and talk wrestling right. with him for another half hour. We gotta get our when do when do we have to be at the facility? I'm trying to figure this out. I'm looking at my phone while I'm talking to you. Well, oh uh, yeah. Uh, practice is early if you want to. I'm not, I'm only going for Nick. So yeah, you better run. All right. Go to <laughs> so, work, Michael right. K. I'll see you guys Thank later. you very much. 2320 Broncos for K. We'll come back and McMullen and McDonald will get on the record, make picks for the Eagles Broncos coming up here on Birds 365. 
Inside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city, and every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way, the best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Late here on Birds 365 because we got off on a yeah. wrestling tangent. I took that too tangent. far. All right, I'll take uh, the blame for that. It was no, but it was fun. I had fun. I hope the listeners had the uh, viewers had fun listening to it too. Sorry, you got three wrestling fans together. Stuff's gonna happen. All right, McBowen, I need more important predictions from you. Number one, will the title change hands? Is Kenny Omega gonna lose it to the inappropriately named Hangman Adam Page? Uh, yes, it's time. Uh, they've been uh pushing Adam Page as the homegrown star. I think they're gonna try to prove a point. I think it'll be short term, but yeah, I think they're going to turn the page there. More importantly, Sunday in Denver, 15 people on the injury report for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I'm going with the Eagles, Jody. 2420. 2420. See, now I'm obligated uh, because our buddy Ed Kratz picked 2320 Broncos. And I, I often picked 2820. Would they go 28? Who I said 2320? I think it was uh michael k just mike, said mike, mike, yeah mike. so uh usually it's ed that i match up with instead i'm going to match up with our other guests i'm probably only i'm flipping the final score last week here on birds 365 even in abstentia i texted you my score and i thought and i know i didn't say this in a text i didn't want to you have to read a four-minute text uh i thought it was going to be a late field goal which is exactly what happened 
I added 23-10. Jeff Kerr had it right on the number, 27-24. But I went 23-10 last week. 23-20, uh, excuse me. Um, Michael K just went 23-20. I'm going 23-20 again. My new favorite score, Eagles win 23-20 and get to four and six. And we have a whole nother direction of things to talk about here next week. Which you How won't be part that? of on Monday because you're flying back, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll be... I'll be incognito pretty much all day. 7.30 flight from Denver, which oh, is, yeah. That's where I would uh, count you out of Birds 365. All right, yeah. Johnny Mac, have a uh, safe flight out. Looking forward to hearing from you on Tuesday. Uh, be tuned to the Jacob Media YouTube channel all weekend long, um, leading up to the Eagle game, the post-game show. Uh, Mac and I will be back, or me and Jeff Kerr will be back on Monday, and then Johnny will be back with us on Tuesday. Go Birds. Thanks for watching Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.